you see a man here at the beginning of chapter 3 of Joshua in his prime. At this stage in the text, there's a recommissioning, if you would, of the people of Israel once again to do what they've already once been told to do. Forty years prior, they were told to go into the promised land. They didn't obey. They didn't do what they were told to do. They crossed the Red Sea, came out of Egypt, but they still ended up hanging around in a desert type of environment. It was not God's plan. And here they're being recommissioned and being told by God and by this leader, Joshua, it's time now to do what we were first told to do. There was interesting in this last election season back in the summer sometime, I remember some, I don't know which campaign it was, but they said when you open your heart to patriotism, you will close your heart to prejudice. I want to flip that around a little bit. I want a better one for you. When you open your heart to the principles of God's word, you will close your heart to panic and distress. When you open up to God's word, I'm telling you what, panic and distress go way down on the temperature scale. If you will open your heart to the Holy Spirit, you will always close your heart to hopelessness. People are distraught and distressed. And and by the way, I even meet, that's my sort of my job now, I meet ministers that are distraught and distressed. That's a bad thing when you meet those guys. They ought to know better. How unfortunate it is that people put all their hope, all their sense of security in a man or a woman, or in a political party, or a financial institution, or their wealth, or their job, or the list goes on. And then watch and see what happens when things don't go your way. And then what happens is usually you end up in distress because you put your hope in the wrong thing. And I want to tell you today that if underneath your cheery smile you're in distress here this morning, then you need to look up and you need to repent before Almighty God and receive a portion of His grace and you need to let Him through the power of His Holy Spirit help you out of your distress today. He can really do it. In fact, he can do it so quickly, it'll happen before you leave this room this morning, if you'll let him. That's how good our God is. You're not going to deliver, are you? Okay, just say. Uh... <laughs> That's why we're here. It's sort of like, oh man, oh man, will this child ever come? So the question is, what am I going to do during times of change and transition? By the way, it's an interesting thing. Everybody here will go through transition. You think about it. You've already gone through transition. We have been birthed in our mother's body. We've come into this world. We've gone through childhood and adolescence. Now in adulthood, some of us, not me, of course, but some of you are on the north end of your journey on this fair earth. And you're getting, you know, to the place where you're going to maybe see another transition We're not taking up a load this afternoon, but you understand what I'm saying? In fact, when you think about it, life is really about three things. It's about diapers, dignity, and death. 
There's always a transition going on in all of our lives. No matter where you are economically this morning, where you are socially, no matter where you are in the church or even where you are spiritually, we're always transitioning from one sphere or phase of life to another. And some of those transitions are forced on us unexpectedly. And I don't care who you are or how strong you think you may be or how mature you are or how strong in the Lord you are. When certain transitions come our way, it takes a toll on every single one of us. It takes a toll on us emotionally. It takes a toll on us psychologically. And ultimately, it takes a toll on us spiritually. It can cause us to question and to doubt and even to waver a little bit. But God's word speaks directly to these issues in our lives. And in Joshua chapter 3, by the way, I love Joshua. Joshua was a great leader. He was, he came after Moses. He was spiritually qualified. He was morally qualified. He was a great military leader. He was a strategic thinker. And it's interesting that he brought uh, the children of Israel together. Uh, Moses had died, by the way. And all of us here one day, I hate to tell you, I'm sort of on the bad news up front here, but all of us are going to die one day. Moses was a great man of God. And you read the Bible and it will say very simply, and Moses died. Uh, by the way, David died and Isaiah died. All of these great men and women, great women, they all died. And now God is then raising up in a transition Joshua. And at this stage in the game, Joshua is a very uh, more young, charismatic leader. And God had told Joshua, he says, I'm going to elevate you today in the sight of Israel so that they know just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, now it's interesting to me, and I, I like studying people and I, I enjoy looking at leaders' lives and all that. Moses never did get on an ego trip. He, he didn't let that get to his head because God had gifted him tremendously. Moses was the greatest prophet in all of Israel. He had called him Godhead. But instead, he used and leveraged his gifts, Moses did, and all of his platform and influence, all of his notoriety, to encourage the people not to look to him but to continually look to God. That's a good leader there. And I want you to notice in this text, beginning in verse 7, these words. It says this, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I'm going to begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And In fact, let's go on and let me read this to you. Look at this. It's very interesting. You shall command, verse 8, the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of Jordan, you will stand in the Jordan. And so Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here, hear the word of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you will know that the living God is among you uh, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord 
is a crossing over before you into Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from tribes of Israel, every man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass, watch, as soon as the soles of your feet, of the, or excuse me, of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, when those feet hit the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they will stand as a heap. Now, I want you to see this. God gave Joshua a specific command. And that commandment was simply this. And by the way, if you're taking notes, this is the first point I want to make sure you get this morning. In fact, it's probably perhaps the most important point in this text. When times of change and transition occur, the number one thing, number one thing you need to do is we need to hear from God. We need to listen to Him and we need to hear from Him so that we can obey Him. Now that sounds simple. And you would think that we in this room this morning should all know this and should all understand this. But just in case, let me tell you how you're going to hear from God. I want to give you three quick ways you can absolutely know that you can hear from God. Number one, God has given us the word. Now that seems simple, so very redundant. But can I tell you, there are an increasing number, and I'm meeting them, of ministers even getting up into pulpits week after week and they are never opening the word. They may be giving talks and they may be sort of giving you neat little pithy things and all that and they're offering advice, but there is too often no word. I'll tell you what, you need to thank God for your pastor, Pastor Solo. The reason I, I love what he's doing, I catch him on the online sometimes, what have you, he opens the word. You want, if, if you don't like this church, find another church, but at least find one that opens the word. Come on, amen? There's too often no word. The Bible is God's word. It is inerrant. It's infallible. It's irreplaceable. It's the absolute foundation for which the church is to build its existence upon. And what happens, listen, when the church begins to depart from that, you just look around real quick in our societies today and you can visibly see the results of departing from the word. What happens when men and women begin to depart from God's word? You look around in our culture today and you are not left without many examples. What happens is that we are then left to our own ability to reason and we're left to our own ability to think about things. Now, understand God has given us the ability to think and reason but ultimately, God wants us to base all of our reasoning and all of our thinking on what he has said in his word. He's the one that helps you make a good marriage. He's the one that helps you get out of finance. It's in his word. It's not how creative you can get. It's in his word. So we have the word, but that's not all we have. That's ultimately the guide for all of us. But in addition to the word, not above it, but in addition to it, is the work of the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God and you have the work of the Holy Spirit. But listen, 
I hope you realize this, and this is a Holy Spirit church. The Holy Spirit was given to each of us the very moment we placed our faith in Christ. But it's not just our internal compass, not just our conscience, and not just a moral guide. Oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit is so much more than that. He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. He is the God of the Holy Spirit who resides in the life of every man and woman and child who places their faith in Jesus Christ. And so based on the Word of God, based on the work of the Holy Spirit, and and there's another way we can determine the voice of the Lord, and people do this all the time. I meet them. They get a word, they think they get a word, but guess what? You need sometimes a confirmation, particularly on those life-changing things. You need a confirmation. And the other way is by surrounding ourselves with wise people. And I think Joshua exemplifies this most in this text. Here was a great military man. He's a strategic thinker. He's a popular man. And yet he chose to tell the people of Israel, the best thing you people can do is listen to God and hear what he would have you to hear today. So so many times, and, and please don't misunderstand, we are people of one book and we're walking in one spirit and we have wise people around us. And even with that, we're going to make mistakes sometimes. We're not going to be sinless on this side of eternity. Can I just take that thing out of you? We're not going to be perfect until we get to heaven. But oh, the pain and the sorrow and the suffering that we would avoid if we would just simply listen to God most of the time. We would avoid a lot of problems. Do you agree? If we would just do it God's way. I don't think God sits in heaven. In fact, I know he doesn't sit in heaven and says, oh, wait, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to trick him. April fools, I'm going to trick him. And here we go, I'll make him do this, but watch what happens. God wants the best for you. God's a good God, and he means to do you good. If we would just govern our life based on the principle of God's word, why are we where we are today as a nation? Fundamentally, I believe it's because we've walked away from the guiding principles of scripture. Listen, give you a story. Even though he was not a religious man at all, Ulysses S. Grant, our 18th president of the United States, by the way, you read this biography, he failed at most of everything he touched. He failed. But because he was good at battle, because he hated war and the pain and suffering of war, he was responsible for playing a big part in our civil war. And as a result of the battle scars and gaining notoriety in war, He was twice, two times, elected as president of the United States. And listen to what he said, and I'm going to quote it. He said this, study the Bible, know the Bible, for it is the reason for every civilization's success. Do not depart from the Bible. Joshua was telling these people, listen, you watched your grandparents perished because they were rebellious and stiff-necked they they were saved yes maybe disobedient absolutely you watched them perish they wandered around in the wilderness but they for they chose to forgo doing it god's way listen you and i can choose to forgo doing it god's way do you know i, I actually believe this you can be saved and spirit-filled and on your way to heaven but you can still make choices that are totally incongruent and inconsistent with God's word. 
There is no way we can live our lives in open rebellion to God's word and expect that he is going to put his stamp of approval on that behavior. It just won't happen. I don't care who says it, what government tells you it is so. I don't care who does it. I don't care how popular it is. I don't care what the culture says is now convenient as a truth or whatever the case may be. If it goes against God's word, he does not stamp his approval upon it. It just doesn't happen. I want you to listen to what Joshua says to the people in beginning in in, in verse 9 of this chapter 3. He says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Listen, my advice to you right now during your season of change and turmoil or whatever you're going through or maybe, listen, even some distress, listen to the voice of the Lord. Get into his word like never before. Do you know the statistics for us in America is that more than watch now in fact probably this is a good mixture of people in this room more than 50% of evangelicals of which you are considered one in North America never open their bible unless they're in church on Sunday and according to statistics most people only attend church one Point eight hours per month. So if you're not in church where you only open your Bible when you're in church, that tells me you're going through most of the month without ever cracking the Bible and you're not hearing God's word. Now I know that's nobody in this room. I'm talking about the other evangelicals. I'm just saying. That's the problem. We're simply not living according to God's word. But notice what else in the text he says. He says, not only are you to come near, but oh, whoa, whoa, you are to listen. We must continually keep sharpened in our life an aptitude for listening to God. Listen, I believe in education. I really do. I love, if I had my druthers and I had a lot of money, I would never do anything but go to school the rest of my life. I mean, I like to be a doctor one day. I like the idea of cutting on somebody just enthralls me. Just, ooh, yeah, you know. <laughs> There's all sorts of things I'd like to do. I love education. I have a master of divinity. I have a doctorate in ministry. And you can get all the education you can get, but you really need to get all the wisdom you can get. And that's only found in his word. You want a little pithy saying? Knowledge comes from college. Wisdom comes from God. And living life in serving him. Listen, at the age of 40, Moses tried to lead one day the nation of Israel according to his own strategy and plan. And he struck out and God says, oh God. He says, Moses, tell you what I'm going to do. Help you out. I'm going to send you to my seminary for the next 40 years on the backside of the desert. And I'm going to let you uh, handle a herd of sheep for a while so that you can better understand how to care for and take care of my people. And at the age of about 82 or so, God appeared to Moses again at that burning bush episode. Listen, can I tell you something? God knows exactly how to speak to you. So when something crazy happens... Don't just start freaking out. But it might just be God's way of getting your attention. 
And now Moses is an older man and he finally understands, hey, I got to do this whole thing God's way. Do you know what? That should be encouraging for every single one of us in this room. That God was patient with Moses so that finally, now this will give you some hope, at the age of 82, some of you got a ways to go, but God's patient with you. At the age of 82, Moses said, God, if I'm going to lead your people, you've got to do three things for me. You've got to promise me your presence. You've got to guarantee me your grace. And you've got to teach me your ways. It took him only to 82 to figure it out. Can I sort of help you that you really don't want to wait till you're 82 to figure things out? Come on, amen. You won't want to be as old as, well, I'm not going to say. Here is a man who was schooled in the University of Egypt. He was a smart man, Moses was. He was an educated man. He understood, though, God, I got to know your ways. Listen, advancement is really boiled down to knowing God's ways. You want to advance through one stage of life to the next, to the next, to the next. Do you want to avoid turmoil but have wonderful transition? You got to know God's ways. I think that's what Joshua was getting at with this new generation of people. They're about to enter the promised land and finally, but they, they have a river of difficulty in front of them to cross. And Joshua says, look at folks, the only way we're going to cross this river and the only way you're going to cross it and get into the promised land that God has for you is by listening and hearing God. So that's the first thing. Listen, during times of turmoil and transition, I urge you to listen to what God has to say to you because it could be his way of getting your attention so that he can teach you something in order. Listen, there's always a goal with God in order to get you across the river, if you would, of difficulty and get you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Get you into the destiny he has for you. Get you into the promise he's given you. So this text reminds us that during transition and turmoil, we've got to listen to God. But this text also tells us something else, that we have to, peop- have to be a people who live absolutely, and here's a biggie, and utterly and entirely by faith, and faith alone. In fact, you read something very interesting in verse 8 here. He says, you shall command them, the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, and tell them this is what they are to do. They are to come up to the brink of the Jordan River, and they are simply to stand there with their feet in the water. That's all they're to do. And then we read this in verse 10. Here's how you will know that the living God is among you, that he with without fail he will without fail excuse me drive out before you all of your enemies now if you read the context of this story here's essentially what god told joshua to tell the priests of the people to do i want you to line up in a single line i want the priests who are going to bear the ark of the covenant to be way out in front of everyone and i want all of you to march toward the jordan and when the souls of the priest hit the Jordan River, I'm going to show up. Now God said, I want you to do this and I want you to act on it by faith. Because it hadn't happened yet. 
Oh, oh, they remember what God did at the Red Sea, but that was another generation. And can I tell you, that wasn't that fresh in their memory because this chapter opens up with with the entire tribe, the whole group of people, millions of them, hiding in the acacia grove undercover. And God is reminding Joshua that he can do what he did back then. He can do it again. And God said to these people, I want you to do what I'm telling you and do this thing. March in obedience to me. Live according to my word. And if you do somewhere, I'm not going to tell you everything, but somewhere along the line, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. You just do what you're to do. Listen to my word. Obey my word. Live by faith. And at some point in your transition, in your turmoil, I'm going to show up. I'll get there. Now, why is that so important? Listen, lest we forget, can I help you with something? We get very comfortable in this world. I got a nice place in Florida. I'd like to live there the rest of eternity. No, I mean, not just my life, eternity. I like the place. Got a nice pool. I'm on a little river. It's great. I, I can hang out here. Can I remind you and me of something? We're living as pilgrims in a foreign land. We are strangers in a world that is not our home. Oh, yes. Listen, we as the people of God need to be responsible with what God has given us. We need to be involved in this life. Listen, for some, it's politics. For others, it's education. For wit- It's witnessing for every one of us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But infiltrating every sphere of our society and making a change. But ultimately, this is not your final destination. We are sojourners. We are pilgrims. We are a band of vagabonds whose land we are still looking for whose builder of our eternal home is Christ Jesus himself. And so we're wandering along, and God gives us exactly the instructions that we're supposed to live by. And he says, Jerry, Solo, Jim, Sue, I want you to do this, and then at the right time, I will show up. I'll be there. Some of you today just need to know that at the right time, God is going to show up. Listen, listen, here's all you got to do. You just keep walking. You keep persevering. You keep obeying. You keep remaining faithful. You keep steadfast. He's going to show up. He's going to get there. In Hebrews 11, it's known as the Hall of Faith. Uh, It's the great faith chapter of the New Testament. And we're reminded in Hebrews 11, 1, exactly what faith is. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance or conviction of things yet to be seen. What does that mean? Explain that, Pastor. Listen, think about it for a moment. I'm proclaiming to you today a Christ whom I have never seen with my own eyes. I'm preaching from a Bible that most of our culture rejects. And I'm talking about to you about a place that none of us have ever seen. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. God has promised something and he does not lie. 
But it's also the evidence of things not seen. Well, what does that mean? It's the evidence that I know based on God's word. That, listen, here's some evidence. Based on his word, I know my sins are forgiven. Anybody join me in that one? Based on God's word, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Based on God's word, his word is always true. Based on God's word, he's coming again. Oh, based on God's word, my eternal home is in his presence. Based on God's word, and the list goes on and on and on, based on God's word. But what faith ultimately is, is, and I've defined it this way, faith is the confidence, the absolute conviction that I have. Here's my faith. It's an absolute conviction that God is going to keep every promise. Listen, our president, our governor, our legislature, your boss, your union, come on, doesn't matter. Your spouse, your children, your I don't care who, may or may not keep his or her promises. But I need you to listen loud and clear today. God always keeps his promises. That's what faith is. Faith is not just a conviction that God said he's going to do it. He's going to do it. It's not just about going here and there or trying to build your faith in some convoluted fashion. Listen, it's just about accepting faith that God said who he is. Now, I told you what faith is, but here's what faith does. Faith exchanges and proclaims our weaknesses and acknowledges God's faithfulness. In fact, with God, let me tell you a good secret. It's okay to be weak. You don't have to show yourself strong. It's actually with God okay to be weak. In fact, if you're too strong... That may be why you're in trouble or in problems that you are in right now. You may be overconfident. You may be spiritually cocky. And God may be saying, you know what? I just need to show you that you need me in your life more than ever before. Faith acknowledges the weakness that all of us have, but it does so while at the same time it acknowledges God's faithfulness in his mighty, awesome power. God simply never, ever fails. Never. Never before have we lived in such a time where there is such a sense of hopelessness. There, there's panic in the air in some places. These, these last few months, I've been reminded more than ever at, uh, where we are as a culture. Listen, out of politicians' mouths, out of celebrities' mouths, even maybe out of some preachers' mouths, we are in a time and a place where the church of Jesus Christ needs to lay hold by faith of the promises of God one more time. There is no way that you and I can live and please God. In fact, according to Hebrews eleven six, it's actually impossible without faith to please God. For those who believe in him, the Bible says, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a good God. What does that mean to please God? It simply means I humble myself. Now, that's not something you hear a lot about these days. And I agree in humbling myself that God is right and I'm wrong. That's what faith is. 
Way back in the Old Testament, Paul quotes in both Romans and Galatians, the prophet Habakkuk, not understanding how God, how in the world could God use the Babylonians? It was a heathen group of people, wicked, godless, vile nation, to judge the people of Israel. And God's like, you don't, you don't need to understand that. I know what I'm doing. And by the way, it was through that revelation that Habakkuk said, the just shall live by faith. I, I don't even propose to understand one thing about what's happening in the whole world around us today. And I travel a lot. But I do know this. The just shall live by faith. It is the confidence that God is in control. It is the absolute certainty that God is going to honor his command. He is going to remain true to those who have placed their faith in him. That's what Joshua is saying in this text. Joshua says, I want all of you to just keep walking and keep doing what you need to do. Listen, there is no replacement in the life of a believer for perseverance. There is there's going to come times in your life and mine where nothing seems upside, I mean, a right side up. It's all upside down except for our relationship with God. Everything else may be flying off the shelf, but the just shall live by faith. Do you know in America alone, 1,500 pastors a month resign? That's a huge number. And it's not replaced. We need God's grace working in our lives every day. Listen, you got to remember that this in your life and walk, you better be a man of prayer. You better be a man or woman who is patient. And you better persevere. You better trust God. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life. I think Joshua understood this. Listen, these people were about to cross over into the promised land, but they had this river of difficulty to traverse. And the only way they were going to get there was by listening to God and living by faith. But there's one last thing in this text, and you see a profound principle. During times of transition and turmoil and change, you need to remind yourself that God keeps his promises. God had already told them what to do. Joshua rehearsed for them what to do. They did what God told them to do. And in Joshua 4, God even commands them to take stones out of the Jordan River, memorial stones, stones of remembrance, and erect a monument. Why is that? So that the next generation and the next generation could remember that my God delivered my forefathers, he delivered my dad, he delivered my granddaddy, and my mom and my grandma, and he is going to deliver me. If he did it for them, he can do it for you. Come on, amen? Listen, the best thing you can do for your life, your home, your church, the best thing you can do for your children, for yourself, is to brag about God's faithfulness and brag where he's brought you from and remind them of his faithfulness in your life. To tell your kids how faithful he's been even during difficult moments, even when the Jordan was overflowing its bank in the times of turmoil and chaos and panic and distress. Joshua was trying to help these people and give them good advice. And he says, you guys need to always remember God is faithful. Sometimes all we do, sometimes all the whole world does is complain and gripe and opine and grumble about where we are. Sometimes all we do is lift up sort of like this litany of requests before God of what we need him to do one more time. God, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do that. And we never, ever remember that just simply God is faithful. 
Listen, instead of saying, instead of saying all the requests, how about saying, thank you, Lord? Thank you for your faithfulness. Come on, amen. Thank you for your steadfastness. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today in my life. Thank you, Lord, for your helping me when I didn't even deserve it. You were there when I needed you, God. I I just want to thank you today, Lord God. When death tried to take me, you saved me. Come on, amen. When some kind of sickness tried to come upon me, you healed me. We sang the songs this morning. Come on, amen. Don't you just want to praise the Lord? Come on, stand to your feet with me. Let's just praise the Lord. Come on, lift his name up this morning. Come on, come on, out of your own mouth. I thank you, Lord, for your steadfastness. Come on, I thank you for your faithfulness. Go ahead, you begin to remember what he's done in your life. Go ahead, remember what he's accomplished in you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, oh God, for all that you're doing in my life and all that you've done in my life. I thank you for it, oh God. I honor you for it today in Jesus' mighty name. I praise you for it. Did you love this song that we sang earlier that the choir taught us? I love this. Listen, put those words up, would you please? It's near the middle of that song. I don't want to start at the beginning, but I want to start. Let me see your words. (laughs) No, listen, death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silence. Watch what that author said. You silence the boast of sin and grave. Do you ever feel sometimes in our world that sin is boasting? It sounds like it's, look at what we can do. Look at what we can get away with. Look at what we said is now reasonable and possible. And it goes against, contrary to God's word. I'll tell you what. God's promise is still true. You silence... He's going to do it one day. The boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory for you are raised to life again. Next screen, please. Watch. Next screen. You have no rival. There's a praise. You have no equal. Now and forever God. That's a faith statement out of us. That's saying, I don't care what is going on. I don't care about the panic, the distress, the turmoil. You've got no rival. You've got no equal. You are forever God. You reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. Isn't that powerful? You get something like that going on inside of you. Guess what? You can walk right up to the edge of Jordan knowing that God has put you right where you need to be. And then all you got to do in obedience is stand back and watch him show up. He's about getting ready to show up on some of your cases. Sing that, Sarah. Give me that chord. Death has no... Go back one, hun. Back there in the back. There, there. Oh, come on. Sing it with me. Death could not hold you. The veil torn before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of... For you are sing death again, death, death. Come on, death could not hold you. The veil torn before you. Silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are rolling. 
the praise of your glory for you you have no rival here it is come on you you have no rival you have no equal now and forever god you reign yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name you have no rival come on you have no rival you have no rival you have no equal now and forever god you reign yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all what a beautiful what a powerful what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of jesus the christ my king nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful, what a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What, what a, a powerful name it is, and stand against. Powerful name it is the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your powerful name, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Amen. Amen. What wasn't that a good word? Wasn't that a good word? You know, I tell you what.